Hey friends, it's Julia, and this is Pop Culture Makes Me Jealous. On today's episode, Christina and I are talking TV moms. This episode of Pop Culture Makes Me Jealous is brought to you by Modesto Reads. Modesto Reads is a community on Instagram highlighting what people in the city of Modesto, California are reading. If you want book recommendations or if you live in the city of Modesto, follow Modesto Reads and use the hashtag Modesto Reads. And now, here we go to the show. Talking about... Our favorite moms. TV moms. The very I first. I want to wish you a happy Mother's Day, though. Before we start Aww. the episode, happy Mother's Day, Julia. I think you're a wonderful mom. Oh, thank you, Christina. I should wish you a happy Mother's Day as well because you were a bonus mom. Well, thanks. Which bonus moms don't get a lot of credit. And watching you kind of blossom into that role has been fun. Thanks. And also, thank I can't you. wait for you to bang out your own. I can wait for that. I want to start by talking about who our favorite TV moms are. And I'm surprised that we don't have, well, I guess it's not surprising that we don't have a ton of overlap considering our age difference. (laughs) (laughs) I also realized I had a hard time just thinking of TV moms. Like I've had this, this episode in my mind for a month now. Yeah. And I've had the same five listed. Like I can't think of anything more, but I realized I don't watch shows that are like really have present like family TV moms yeah, yeah it's not it's all weird and all the shows I watched with my mom were like contestants or game shows or yeah know, dramas you know, <laughs> it's funny that you say that because so looking at my list compared to your list which we will reveal shortly I'm realizing how much the evolution of TV moved away from like family centric sitcoms to other types of shows, right? So like, yes, we'll start with my list because I'm older and age before beauty. <laughs> oh, I was going to say beauty first. Oh, <laughs> look at Okay. So my TV moms, Claire Huxtable, Elise Keaton from Family Ties, Harriet Winslow from Family Matters, Thelma Harper from Mama's Family. Amy Matthews from Boy Meets World, Bo Johnson from Blackish, Moira Rose from Schitt's Creek, and Violet <laughs> Crawley from Downton Abbey. Like those mom, like get me in a room with all of those moms. <laughs> what a list. They're so varied. Yeah. Very. Like, no wonder my child is like, who is my mother? <laughs> all of these influences. I love that. I also, I feel like you brought up, I didn't even think of, um, Amy Matthews from Boy well, Meets World. Honestly, the only reason why it came up is because we're currently rewatching Boy Meets World right now. And mm-hmm. I'm seeing just the way, like how loving and nurturing she is with like all of them. And then also when they act stupid and she's just like, she's so sensible in her, in her criticism of them being stupid. Boy Meets World came out when I was like similarly aged to Corey and Sean. And so, you know, I was like, oh, Amy. I like Amy as a mom. She's kind of a cool mom. <laughs> she my, was though. Yeah. My like, child voice. It's slowly coming back to me, but yeah, she really was kind of like a cool mom. I would say. And not like maybe, Amy Polar and Mean Girls cool mom. <laughs> no. I think the nineties is kind of when like, like the transition in TV started, like where it was not so much family sitcom based where like the dynamics would focus on different parts of the family members more so Mm -hmm. that's when like a big switch kind of because I notice all the like list like I don't want to 
all the references I was coming up with didn't even have moms in it. They were like ants. <laughs> like, oh, like, well, let's talk about your list. Sure, sure. So, okay. Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Aunt oh, Viv. Yeah. The Fosters. I love Lena and Steph. I'm not going in decade order. Sorry. That's Kitty okay. Foreman from that 70s show. Love her. Yeah. Gloria and Claire Dunphy from <laughs> Modern Family. Very different moms. Love them both. Rebecca Pearson from This Is Us. What do you love about her? No, I love that. I love... I love her as a mom. I think she's super like nurturing, but I like in that show specifically how they show her as a mom in all her seasons of life. And Mm -hmm. I think that's why I picked her specifically because I don't see that represented in many shows. And I think it's really hard, especially now that I'm in a parent role, you don't realize until later in life, like how to see moms or parents in Mm -hmm. all seasons of life and Mm -hmm. to like I like that. And that's why I picked that is because the show gets to see you like watch her fail and get better back and Mm -hmm. forth over time. Oh, I forgot to say Beverly Goldberg. She's on my list. Oh, I like her. I also have to say, like, I don't watch a whole lot of TV in general. So when I think of TV moms, it's because I've watched like one season or something. And then I'm like, I've got (laughs) to. But yeah, yeah, she's a great TV mom. <laughs> she really is. And I make, I have this joke with my child that I have the potential to be Beverly Goldberg. And would he like me to, to activate that role? And he's always like, please don't. But I also could be Ruby, which I don't know. Have you seen Blackish? Because I only watched like- one episode, but I need to watch more. Because <laughs> Ruby is like, I think when I grow up, I want to be Ruby. You should. Which isn't on my list, but so like, so starting from the beginning, you know, in the eighties, like we talked about, there's, there's a lot of family centric shows and they were, you know, mom, dad, nuclear family, and they were dealing with all kinds of issues that in situations and what have you, the qualities and characteristics of some of these TV moms that I grew up watching, they were really the backbone of the family and they were respected and they were loved, like, especially like Elise Keaton and Claire Huxtable, um, Harriet Winslow, actually all of them on my list, to be honest with you, with the exception of like more modern day, but they're the backbone of the family in a way that doesn't make them burn out or be taken for granted. Like they are respected. They are really good point. Their children are totally like their children fall in line when they are asked to, like they have a very strong motherly position. And I noticed as we sort of evolve through television, when my son was watching TV and we'd be watching like something on the Disney channel or Nickelodeon and the parents would just be bumbling idiots. It really bothered me that adults went from being sort of this strong foundation for children and teenagers to caricatures that were butts of jokes. Like there's a time and a place like on, on all of these shows that we've listed, the parents have their moments where you just do dumb shit. Cause that's what parents do. The kids all still respect them and the kid and everyone still knows their place in the family, if that makes sense. Yeah. And so there's a lot of TV shows that are within the last 20 years where I'm just like, fuck that show. Like the parents are not, I don't like the way that the parents are represented because then in turn subconsciously my kid starts behaving like that towards me and I'm just like not in this house on the same note though would you say there was any tv moms that you kind of strived to be like oh Claire Huxtable all the way yeah for sure I actually had a conversation and this is going to come out in a different podcast episode because we have some guest episodes coming up where I was telling my friend I like 
really wanted to be Claire Huxtable. And so I had a conversation with my son's dad at the time when my son was little, little about how like, I'm going to kind of move into more of a preppy look and blah, blah, because Claire to me was the epitome of like what a mom should look like and be like. She was strong. She was successful. She was beautiful. She loved her children unconditionally and she wasn't afraid to call them out. And I just really, and she just was the voice of reason 90% of the time. And then there's that 10% when like her kids are being threatened where she sort of goes into this protection mode where it was just like, yeah, that's, yep. I want to do all of those things. Also want to walk into the room and be well-dressed, you know, everything looks great, but I was coming out of like, I was coming from like a sort of like a punk rock phase. So that was a big, like 180. What a 180 on your looks. Like I said, I think Aunt Viv was always my favorite, like TV mom. And she's another one too. Like she, she's almost like the nineties version of Claire because she's also, she was, she was a professor, not an Mm -hmm. attorney, but still always polished, always beautiful. So I think I always gravitated to towards like these mom roles that were either like super like successful, like working women. Cause my mom was like a, a working mom. So I like, I was like, oh yeah, that's what moms do. Like, yeah, we think about them like that. And then, but on the flip side, I also liked the fact that she wasn't actually Will's mom. She was his aunt. And mm-hmm. she had this, like, this, I don't know, this nurturing role that was like, I'm strong and I'm forceful and I tell you what you need to hear, but also I will take you in and I'm going to love you and I'm going to accept you for who you are. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I think that just reminded me of my own mom so much. She'd taken so many people in over the years. And I'm just like, that's such a, like, it's such a wonderful quality in moms that I think a lot of moms have and they don't realize it. Mm -hmm. Like, it's just a mothering, nurturing ability and it's so nice when you see that represented on tv that like it doesn't have to be your kid to be mothered at the same time you see how they treat their own kids and it's the same Mm -hmm. for all of the kids like will gets the same treatment as their children and that's wonderful and then their children have like such a great impact on will just like will has such a wonderful impact on him like on them like with ashley and the drums episode like He's just teaching her so much confidence and I love it so much. And it's like, I think that that's all stems from Aunt Viv. She's like the backbone of the family and she just, she's always there in like a subtle but strong way. Yeah. But like mama's family is, was this family who they had like, I don't know how you would describe them other than like poor white trash, which feels wrong to say it that way. So I'm not really <laughs> sure if that's the right way to say it. Vicki Lawrence is an actress who got her start on the Carol Burnett show in the late sixties and then kind of went on to do a bunch of other things. A couple episodes of Live, Learn and Shirley. Then she's in 1983, she did the show called Mama's Family, where she basically dressed up as an old woman and was the matriarch of this family. And it was basically her and her sister living together. And then there's like other familial characters too. And it was just so funny because it it was like a non-traditional family in the sense of like, there wasn't really like, like she had kids and they did dumb shit. And she was just this like, no nonsense kind of mom. And it just, I really, that was another one that was on reruns all the time. They were definitely not in the caliber of the Huxtables in terms of like social standing. Huxtables had it going on. Yeah, 
which the episode where they taught um theo how to live in the real world taught me so much as a child yeah i remember watching that and just being like wow the real world looks hard i think that i want to carve out some time to talk about bonus moms okay so i put aunt viv on um bonus mom list because She's got this great, like you said. We're going to change the title to this to Mother's Day Go Aunt Viv. So I love that we did both put Aunt, you know, we brought her up in two different ways because I feel like she has that dual position. She's Carlton and Hillary and Ashley's mom, but then Mm -hmm. also she's mothering her sister's son. And like, I, I can't express it more beautifully than you did. So we'll just leave it at that. It's very, very common. I don't know about other communities. I can speak for myself in the black experience I've had. My dad's sister was a huge part of my life. You know, she had a daughter three years younger than me, which is actually closer in age to me than my siblings are. Mm -hmm. And so having sort of this auntie who I would go and spend summers with and go on vacations with, like she similarly to aunt Viv would take on that mothering role mm-hmm. I actually remember one time we were playing at McDonald's in Turlock when McDonald's still had play areas I don't know if they do now <laughs> this is the 80s guys my cousin and I are playing and I can I overhear this woman say oh are those your daughters and my my aunt's like yeah they are and she she goes oh your oldest one looks so much like you that's so cute and I'm just like that's hilarious and that's probably the first time I've ever had somebody in my life and maybe the only time until I started pointing out that I look exactly like my mom but in a brown version that somebody actually like saw my face in a relative's face without having was super awesome for you well you know I think I was like six or seven at the time so I didn't really like register it but now upon reflection it's like that's literally the only time in my life without having to prompt people because you know I've trained my internet following (laughs) to see me what a like what an interesting comment though that you made because so many people have the experience of hearing like oh my god you look so much like your mom or oh my god you look so much like your dad so for you to say like it took almost six years for some for you to remember or realize someone said that like that's pretty like wow, I, I wouldn't, I've heard my whole life. I look like my dad. So I I don't know what that would be like for someone to think I just looked like me. I've heard my whole life. Those are your parents. (laughs) Yeah. Calling them mom and dad since since I could talk. Did you ever watch the Brady Bunch? It was on reruns on Saturdays when I was a kid. So I don't know when they stopped doing it. I didn't like it. You didn't like like the Brady Bunch? No. It was cheesy. Oh my God. Were you watching it through the context of this show is hella old or were you watching? Yeah, I was a child when I tried to watch it. Like a kid, I remember. And I was like, what is this? I don't like it. Okay. I didn't, they were too much for me. I was like, whose family is like that? Like that was so far from my family. I did, I don't know. It just was too weird to me. I was like, these people are way too cheery. No one is ever angry. Like, well, it was the what late is 60s. going on? Well, it was the late 60s, early 70s. And so, you know, you've got Vietnam going on. You've got the Black Power Movement coming to rise. You've got all these social commentary things happening. And then here's Brady Bunch to be like, we're just going to give you some like straight, no conflict entertainment. Well, my seven-year-old brain was like, I don't like it. It's not for me. Well, Carol Brady is a bonus mom because the boys weren't hers. Yeah. And so they're like the first 
you know, well, there were other sort of blend different families on TV prior to them, but they're the first blended family show that I can recall. And I, yeah, know, that I guess is sort I forget of, that part of it. Like they just were so wholesome. I, I think it that just was the point. Was, it was too good to be true in my mind by the time then, I started watching it that I was like, no, I've never met anyone this nice. Yeah. Well, you know, 20 years prior. <laughs> 30 years prior yeah. when it was airing for the first time, you know, they're trying to contrast, you know, the fucking tanks running through Vietnam on the It TV. makes sense when you put it in that context for me now as an adult, but like yeah. little, little Christina wasn't feeling it. So she didn't really tap into it too much. Right. Right. When I very first saw the pilot episode, which was years after I'd been watching the show, I didn't know that those kids weren't her kids. Oh, okay. And I love, and vice versa for the dad. And so I just loved that you could come into the middle of the show and it's just this one big happy family. But really the root of it is these are two people, a widow and a widower who I think they are both widowed. I don't know anymore. You know, they fell in love. They already have kids. And so they're going to make it work and they make it work. And I just, I loved that. And I just thought that it was so wonderful to see. And then it's nineties version called step-by-step, which was on TGIF. I was going to say, I did watch step-by-step. Can we talk about, she's not a bonus mom, but I almost put her in this category just because I definitely had like friends, moms like this, but Kitty Foreman, her house was the catch-all house for all the teenagers and she always had food and snacks and like she was a parent to all of them and she you know like there was times where she did questionable things for sure but like I loved her me and my mom watched uh, that 70s show all the time and it's just like a funny show to us yeah I mean what Kitty like she held the family down when like Red didn't have a job she was like nursing but she still like made it makes me mad the way people made breakfast, but like breakfast, <laughs> lunch, and dinner. She is a good bonus mom. She's like the neighborhood she mom. Is. I think that's um that's a good way to put it. She's the neighborhood mom. And I love those moms. It's like mm-hmm. the catch-all house where it's like you just go in, you get some snacks, you say hi to Mrs. Foreman. <laughs> yeah. I do. I do know. Um, another one I had listed was Aunt Becky from Full House. Because, you know, yeah. those girls don't have a mom. She's gone. And then when Uncle Jesse, or I guess he doesn't bring her in. I guess when she gets hired at the news station to be yeah. co-host on Wake Up San Francisco. And, you know, Danny brings her home. And Uncle Jesse's like, hey, girl, hey. <laughs> she was actually on my original list, too. Aunt Becky was. Because she she really did until she had the twins. Like, she was still a mom figure for those girls. And then when she had the twins, I think she kind of doubled down even more. Like, she became an even better mom in the house because she now knew what it was like to be a mom. Right. And I think she brings the necessary, especially in the 90s, because we were still very, very, very gendered in how we, like, structure things. But I think she brought the the feminine energy. (laughs) But not even just feminine energy. I wasn't a little boy, so I don't have full context on little boys and then I had a little boy I mean other than my brother but he was seven when I was born so it's yeah so I have a little boy and there's things that I'm just like I can't like he was so brave at the playground as a child three and four years old doing all these brave things I can't I couldn't handle it but I also didn't want him to inherit my fears about anything because I don't want him to not try in life right yes So it was like, you want to go to the park? Great. Call your grandpa. And so I ran the risk of not being the fun mom in that way, because 
because it, I would be stressed out the whole time. Like, oh my God, he's going to fall and break his arm. Oh my God. Like all these things, both grandpas were like, have fun. Let's climb. Let's play. Let's mm-hmm. do all these things. And so they enabled him to be a brave little boy. Whereas I wouldn't have been able to do that. And that's what I loved about that Aunt Becky element. There were things that DJ being a teenager and going through all of the emotions of being a teenager and dating and all these things, dad isn't, especially your dad who like is 30 in the eighties, right? So that means he came of age in the sixties and seventies. So he's not fully going to like grasp how to comfort DJ necessarily. And, you know, Jesse was a playboy until, until Becky showed up. And then, you know, Joey's just joey (laughs) i would say too like sorry adding on to what you're saying is um there was an episode where it shows it so well there was like a a mother-daughter sleepover that aunt becky agreed to go with steph uh too yeah for the honeybee yeah but you can tell that aunt becky's like role in dj's life made dj able to step up for her little sister when she needed to and that was such like that's what you're saying like she brought that role because the men probably could never teach you know well i think it's because they didn't necessarily know how right like i was never that's all it is right so like i was never a brave little boy so i had to find somebody who was a brave little boy at one point to be able to guide my child in that way aunt becky Mm -hmm. you know was doing that for the girls and so i really appreciated how they structured her as aunt becky but allowed her the space to be motherly to the girls. And I think that's true for women who have relationships with younger children. My friend recognized that I loved her daughter like she was a niece and has allowed me the space to continue that. And I really appreciate that because you can't always be the everything for your children. And so mm-hmm there needs to be other people who can offer different things. Aunt Becky, Aunt Viv, Kitty Foreman, like these women sort of, it didn't matter that you're not mine. You're in my house. So I'm going to love you like you're mine. It's nice to have friends who create this community of love and acceptance Mm -hmm. who are willing to let you like, like be there for their kids because like, that's what it's all about. Like you really can't raise your kid by yourself. Like it takes a village. Yeah. And the sooner you accept that and the more like moms or parent figures you have in your kid's life, like the the more well-rounded they'll be, the better Mm -hmm. off they'll be. And the more accepting they'll be to society. And all we need is like love and compassion. Yeah. Kids just, we all, this is true for all of us. We just want to feel safe, loved and wanted. Like that's it. it. And when we don't get that, you know, there's this chaos and hemorrhaging that sort of happened, emotional hemorrhaging that sort of happens. One of the things that I kind of loved about all the moms that I have listed, they all sort of like have characteristics that I think I see in my own mom, but she's definitely very strong, very thoughtful, taught us to be critical thinkers. I don't think moms get enough credit for being the backbone we say they're the backbone yeah. all the time but then we treat moms like we just, all the time yeah I I, I would like to kind of navigate on that like I think moving forward supporting women is like what we really should be doing I catch myself all the time like wanting to be fall in my own shit my own ego as I call it Mm-hmm. But I think the best way to be supportive women is to support other moms even in any way we can. So I like to try and build the best relationship I can with like Aiden's mom. And it's not something I necessarily, you know, it's not always something you want to do, but it's mm-hmm. something that 
moving forward in society, you have to constantly put your own ego aside and put your child's best interest first. And that means being a good person deep down, Mm -hmm. I think. And that just means putting the best foot forward and that's encouraging other people and telling them that they're doing good when you recognize that they're doing good. Like, I don't, you know, you don't have to you don't have to mean something to somebody to tell them they're doing good. You can see a mom on the street and be like, Oh my God, good job. Like I see that you're struggling with your toddler right now. Like I remember how hard that was. Like I see you, you're doing great. Like keep it up. That would go so far. Mm -hmm. Like if you were to ever hear that, like if I ever hear someone like say something like, Oh, you're doing so great or just little things from strangers or from people you don't expect means so much Mm -hmm. and I think moving forward if we did that more so in tv and more so in society like moms would start just start to feel a little bit more appreciated I think an acknowledgement is the first step and it's the way we do acknowledgement because I used to hear it all the time I don't know how you do it I don't know how you had all this patience oh my god I I admire you so much because you did it alone. And then after a while, it was just like, you know what? Fuck all of you. Okay. Because not to say that we shouldn't acknowledge it. Like I'm not trying to negate what you're saying. Yeah. What I'm saying is that it shouldn't take you becoming a parent to come back to me 10 years later and say, like, I didn't realize how hard it was for you because for me, it happened in such succession because everybody had kids at 30. And then suddenly now everyone's like, oh my God, I, I don't know how you did it. And da, da, da. cool. Well, you bailed on me because you didn't know how to be a friend to somebody yeah. who has a child. And now you want to apologize, which thank you. Or you want to acknowledge that I gave up so much, which thank you. I do appreciate that. That's not going unappreciated. Also don't just say it and then not do something about it. So like if you're a stranger and you see somebody struggling, that's one thing to acknowledge them. Yes. But if you have women in your life who do not have the traditional support, support system, like, you know, a partner to help them raise the child. And in my situation, I had a non-traditional support system. My parents were very involved. The other grandparents were very involved. And that was a huge part of it. Still very lonely, still very hard. What happened was I had a lot of friends. And then one day I didn't have a lot of friends. And then, and then one day I have all these friends are having kids and they're saying things like, I don't know how you did this all by yourself. Like, this is really hard. How did you handle this? And then they still didn't actively become a friend because now they're in the throes of, you know, young, young parenthood. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's gotta, it's got that cycle's gotta stop. It would mean so much more to me if somebody was like, and somebody actually recently did this and we sort of rekindled our friendship and we were very close in high school and pre child, but she had something happen in her life that was really major. So she kind of had to tend to that. And I respect that. And so the conversation that she and I had was kind of like this. She's sharing about a family member who's going through something that feels familiar to me. And I say, just be there for her because it's really fucking hard when you don't know yet that you shouldn't be with that person Mm -hmm. and there's a child involved. So just be there for her. And then as she's starting to recognize all of these things and going through it, just walk with her through it because Mm -hmm. that's going to be a make or break situation for her. And then the friend says, I am so sorry. I didn't realize how hard these things were for you. And I failed you as a friend. I should have been there and da, 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 da. And I said, you shouldn't have been there. It's okay that you weren't there. You had your own shit that I recognize and understand was really hard. And I don't know how you got through that. What the resolution was, was this, 
we are now back on regular talking terms and that's what matters. We've established now that we're back in each other's lives. We're out of the peripheral and we're back in sort of focus. And that's, yeah, that's what makes the difference when you have a mom in your life, even if she is partnered, because I do have a friend who is partnered and it's still very hard I was just going to add that caveat. It doesn't matter or it does matter. It does matter if you're partnered or not, but I would say like friend wise, like check on your friends. It doesn't matter if they have a partner or not. Moms need to stick with them together. Like you need to check on and support your friends as well. I'm not saying extend yourself past your ability. Of course. I'm just saying, if you're thinking of that person, if you have the thought to say something nice, then say something productive. Like, Hey, like I see you've been working super hard. Is there anything I can do to help you out? Or like, Mm -hmm. is there anything sweet I can do, you know, to help you? And like moms are also not going to tell you anything. Like they're not going to ask for help. So maybe offer up very specific types of help that you can do because that's what I've started doing. And it makes it a lot easier for people to go. Yes, I need that. Please. If you leave it open-ended, you're just creating more burdens for the mom. So don't do that. Right. Like the way you're saying it, give very specific examples. And that goes so much further than the broader. Let me know how I can help you. No, I'm not going to let you know how you can help me because now that feels like a tour. Now you've just added to my burden. How, what, however well-intentioned that may be. It's just now one more thing that I have to be like me asking you for help in this way now feels like I'm a failure rather than you saying, I have the bandwidth to help you with this. So let me help you with this. I think people are way more receptive to it that Mm -hmm. way as well. I noticed, um, like I said, my friend Emma and I, we kind of went through a very similar like grief cycle, like back to back. And like, we were like, I, she was going through it first and I was like, what can I do? I can pick up the girls for an hour for you and let them Mm -hmm. run around so you can clean or do something. She's like, I, that would be great. And so it was like, that's what I did for that day. And then vice versa, when I needed just, I was like, I just need, I just need an hour of someone's time so I can cry or, you know, like just vent. And she's like, I got you. So one of the things I want to know to you and your mom, like, is that a thing where you guys sit around and watch TV together? Cause that's a big thing. It's a huge thing for us. So actually it's really cute. A lot of, (laughs) you want to hear a gross, cute coming of age story. Okay. Um, when I, uh, I started my period really young and I was like, I was 10. So I was like, this is not happening. (laughs) I don't like this. My mom took me to Target and we got like the Lizzie McGuire, like (laughs) a box set basically. And we had a camp out in the living room with like all of my favorite like treats and stuff. And she just had like, she sat there and watched because Lizzie McGuire was my favorite show at the time. Yeah, She sat and watched Lizzie McGuire with me all night after my dad went to bed so we could have like a girl's night because I was now like a lady and I was not happy with it. (laughs) And it's funny because it it almost kind of kickstarted like my mom and I's tradition of after my dad would go to bed at eight. I didn't go to bed till like nine or 10, depending on how old I was. And we would watch a show together or two shows, depending, you know, like yeah. the time frame. And it was like, that was mom and I's time every night together is 
And because like she would get home from work and do a bunch of stuff, she wasn't really sitting down or anything and making dinner. And my dad would watch like sports and stuff. So like after he went to bed, it was like, ooh, girl time. We're watching like we're going to watch our girl shows. And then we'd get all excited for it. Like, ooh, ooh, tonight's this. And, you know, we talk about it in the morning, like on our when she would drop me off to school, it'd be like, oh, tonight we're going to watch, you know, whatever it was like. Uh, we watched uh, The Sweet Life of the American Teenager when I was I in high school. Show. So it actually was uh, this wonderful thing to watch in high school with my mom because it brought all these very uncomfortable topics up. And my mom is just so blunt. I love her for that now. I love it now because it was like she wasn't afraid to just like talk to me about all these topics that most moms would not talk to their daughters about. And I was I didn't like it at the time, but now I'm like, I'm so much smarter. I'm so much better off. I'm much more well-rounded as a female because my mom sat there and watched my teenage shows with me. Yeah. And she like, she cared about them and she was excited about them like with me. And it's like, looking back, if I were to go watch that show, I can't, as an adult, I can't muster up the courage to watch it, but she sat there and of the bad acting that's why it is but I'm like (laughs) like Molly Ringwald come on you could do better and that's the other thing is then she was also like she was able to connect with Molly Ringwald so she was telling me like stories about like movies and stuff that she Mm -hmm. liked with her but it's just like I loved that my mom and I had that together you know like that's so like even now it's like if Taylor goes out of town, he doesn't very often, but if he goes out of town for the weekend, I'm like, mom, you want to watch like girl shows this weekend? Right. <laughs> you want to get I together and do nonsense? <laughs> yeah. So what about you and your mom? We did. We watched TV together. You know, TGIF was a big thing in the 90s. And now when I watch shows that were TGIF at the time, when I see crossover episodes, I'm always like, oh, it's a crossover episode. Now I need to find the episode of this other series that goes with it. (laughs) I realize now, like when we first started building this episode, I was like, oh yeah, we watched Touch My Angel together. And there was a show called Early Edition and then Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman. And then Felicity kind of came on my freshman year of high school. But recently I was thinking about it because my son and I watch TV together a lot and it's makes like I make a big deal when he's ready to be done watching TV and go and do his own thing. Like, oh, spend time with me. (laughs) My mom would do that. (laughs) And now I'm thinking and she'll probably tell me whether or not this this thinking is true or not because she listens to the show and she'll text me things, her thoughts about the show after the fact, which I actually kind of love. I love that. I think now like she would stay in the room to watch whatever I was watching because that's like you get to hang out. It's like, you know, you're in the same room together. You're hanging out together. You can have like random conversation together. So I think she sat through some of the stupid shit I watched. Oh, for sure. So we could like have more time together. But we actively did like watching Touched by an Angel together. And so I think that's hilarious now when I look back and I see like clips and stuff from that show. Like, what was that show? Um, but yeah, so I, yeah, I love like thinking back of all the weird stuff. Like I watched like with my mom and I'm like, why did we get so into that? Right? <laughs> like Dr. Old Medicine Woman. Like, what was that show? Like, we watched John and Kate plus eight for way too long. Oh my gosh, that's so funny. I wonder how those poor children. I feel bad for oh. any children on reality shows that are under the age of like 13.
I just want, I wanted to cut in real quick and say to all the moms out there, happy mother's day. The journey is not easy and not every day is the best, but I'm sure you're doing great. And I just hope that your mother's day is so incredibly special. Okay. Back to the show. I'm just going to ask you like a couple like this or that questions. It's not that exciting. I was going to say this or that between your own favorite mom's list. I would like for you to compare down your list since you, I don't know, you switched it up on me and did decades when you listed them off. So you can decide (laughs) if you want to go by decades. And so they're a little bit closer to be able to compare them or if you want to go like however you want to do it. But I think- if we go by decades, you go like the oldest and then the second oldest. And I want you to, I know it's a hard task, but I want you to pick between those two. Tell me why they're the winner. Just a quick, simple, why are you picking that one? Claire, Elise, and Thelma Harper are all filmed in the same decade, but then the Goldbergs takes place in the 80s. <laughs> oh, okay. And so then- throw the Goldbergs in, in that one. Mash the, mash her up with someone. I have to pick my favorite between the two. Between yeah. the two. Okay, so between Elise and Claire, I have to pick my favorite. Yep. Okay, so that one's easy. This is gonna be the only easy one. Okay, easy one first, then Claire Huxtable. I, perfect. I knew that was happening. <laughs> so okay, man, Harriet family Winslow. ties in Mama's house. Mama's family. Mama's family. I'm so sorry. <laughs> my soul that not a lot of people know about mama's family (laughs) okay so then the next two would be amy matthews and harriet winslow because they're the same generation i'm gonna go for harriet winslow okay what what was the deciding factor she never makes any top tv mom list and that makes me sad that's the saddest reason (laughs) (laughs) when i was like looking up you know best tv moms she's not on a single list and i'm like well she's such a great mom she's guess what she's now on pop culture makes me jealous favorites list so you're welcome she sure is because she's a great mom. She's she doesn't have the career that Claire had. And uh, um, okay, but career does worked, not always equal success. So no, it but it does change their socioeconomic status in comparison. Like the Absolutely. Winslows versus compared to the Huxtables, the went like she was Harriet Winslow was an elevator operator for the first season of the show. And then, you know, they eliminate that position. And so now she's out of a job and has to figure out something out because she'd been an elevator operator for so long. That's a real thing that one happened. Elevator operators were a position that disappeared completely. And then two, not everyone is a Claire Huxtable with a career in in Mm -hmm. that is the career that Claire Huxtable had. She was a partner in a law firm. So watching Harriet have to pivot and figure out what am I going to do now was like though that episode such a great episode because family's behind her and they're encouraging of her and they're supportive of her and they just sort of rally around her and I really loved that and then also you know you want to talk about bonus moms her sister Rachel comes and lives with them 
at, at one point and they have Rachel and then Rachel's son, Richie. And so the whole family dynamic sort of shifts now because Rachel has this son, Richie, and like everyone's now taking care of everyone and, and Harriet <laughs> sort of creates this space and the woman deserves a fucking medal because she, their, her mother-in-law lives with them and they have such a great relationship, even though like sometimes grandma Winslow gets a little judgy, but I love her for it. I wouldn't be surprised if grandma Winslow was maybe the footprint for Ruby Johnson for Blackish. That would be an interesting comparison to do at one point. But she just, so you know, are, she, you, are you saying that eventually you're going to be Grandma Winslow? Yeah, I'm totally going to be like a Ruby Johnson, <laughs> Violet Crawley. Like, I am going to be like, I'm going to say all the shit I want to say out loud and it's going to be okay because I'm 80. Um, Wait until you're 80. Um, Carl Winslow is a cop in Chicago. And so she's married to this police officer who is Black. And so, like, obviously, I really to having a black dad family matters doesn't get a ton of attention in the way that it deserves it's on hulu right now i should rewatch it i watched some that was because everyone remembers steve urkel like that's the takeaway of family matters is steve urkel and i'm gonna tell you what that fool didn't even show up until like halfway through the first season we weren't allowed to have the tv on in the morning Uh, and then i think i was like in sixth or seventh grade and i'd turn on the news and that was like the only acceptable tv for the morning we couldn't have like entertainment television on in the morning t we didn't tv was like my mom's version of radio in the house yeah like i don't know if we all just had adhd or what but none of us actually sat and watched it it was just the noise that was Mm -hmm. on so like when i say i had tv on in the mornings it literally was like it was because i didn't listen to the music like now in the mornings i listen to like a podcast or like Mm-hmm. the radio or something but like my mom didn't like a quiet house and she didn't know I think the reason she didn't listen to music is because she couldn't figure out how to work the radio yeah <laughs> so she was like I can never get it to turn on inside I'm like okay well so I she mean just like would turn on like the tv and mm-hmm. when she was getting ready she could just hear it and it just sounded like there's people home yeah well I mean like we we weren't if we were gonna have the tv on it couldn't be like a TV show. It had to be like a morning show. So you okay. know how traffic was or the news was or whatever. Yeah. And so, and that didn't really happen until I was in like sixth or seventh grade. And I do that before pre pandemic, I would do that. I would turn on the news in the morning and just kind of let that, cause I'm not sitting down. We, we didn't sit down and watch it. It was just on in the background while we got ready for work. I, yeah. For I guess when I say that I didn't start watching, like, or I didn't have the TV on in the mornings until like probably middle school or like yeah like sixth or seventh grade it wasn't like when I was a kid that was and my mom did have just like the news on in the morning it's not like we had entertainment tv but then by middle school when it was my choice then Mm -hmm. it was like Nick at night was playing before I fell asleep you know the night before or whatever I had on in my room the night before so when I turned the tv on that was the show that was on yeah and so I would just leave it 90 percent of the time because I was actually getting ready for school or whatever it's funny like I think I liked it a lot more like as a kid but now I'm more into like audio <laughs> like I'm not a visual person in that yeah. sense like I can't sit still so I'm like can I listen to this show that's the difference between I think your household and my household like two 
because we do have attention issues, too much noise just exacerbated the situation. So my Mm -hmm. mom really forced us to learn how to live in stillness and in quietness. And I think that was really crucial in my ability to actually successfully navigate school with attention issues. Now as an adult, I can't fucking function. (laughs) I need to go and get medicated for it because it's getting really Uh, bad. I understand and I agree, but I also have a different kind of caveat where it's a there's certain noises. Mm -hmm. So some noises like I could tune, I could turn like music on or a podcast on to tune out other things Mm -hmm. sometimes versus like if I'm in a crowded space, like that's too much noise for me. Like See, the I can- shuffling of people, yeah, the like the un the all the conversations, that's too much. But if I'm at home and like Taylor's watching TV and I don't really want to watch that show, I could turn on a podcast and tune his out. And that's not overwhelming to me, which makes you no listen, sense. But do you listen to it through headphones or are you guys both no. listening? We both the- simultaneously. See, which I can't do that. like something that would drive a person crazy, but my brain can t- literally tune out his and only focus on mine. So I have sensory issues and that kind of stuff really fucks with my auditory. So like whenever like people try to talk to me when the TV's running, I can't, Mm -hmm. I literally cannot hear either. So it's like, if you want to talk to me, pause the fucking TV, like, or, you know, and it's hard because there are people who love to talk through television or movies. And I'm like, I can't hear you. I literally cannot hear you or the television because you're now competing noises in my, and my brain can't pull in the information and decipher what's happening. I can, it's, it's also, it depends. Cause when I say we can both listen to separate things, it's cause I'm not sitting in the same room with him. I'm saying I'm in the kitchen mm. and he's like watching something in the living room. And so they're both That's at a different. level. Yeah. Yes. So I get what you're saying. Like I could not listen. Like if I, if he's watching TV, I can't sit and watch TikToks next to him right. unless I have headphones in or right. Unless I'm just reading captions because it is a sensory overload. I'm like, I can't. TV moms are kind of like everyone's mom in the sense that there's a shared experience in watching a television show that millions of people watch and seeing that mom on TV. I appreciate that Christina and I could come together today to talk about our favorite TV moms. Mother's Day is Sunday, May 9th. I hope that you let all the moms in your life know how much you appreciate them and how much you love them. Thanks for tuning in, y'all. I just am really grateful to you. This is episode eight. We've made it to episode eight. That's so exciting. We've got some really great shows coming up and I hope that you stick around for them. Next week, I have a special guest, my friend Stephanie. She will be joining me to talk about the Netflix original, Hentified. <laughs>